All right, what up? Me Dwelle Podcast listeners, Stuart Anderson here. Episode 79 coming at you with Andy Olson. Andy Olson, man, he is just the man. Grateful for Andy and thankful for his commitment and loyalty and contributions to the team. You're going to hear his story about uh, how he connected with us, how he just loves Lodija and trains for it, and how he is just a great family man and businessman. Uh, what a great example to all of us. Thankful for Andy. Thankful for all he does to make this team better. Grateful for Chip, who's on this podcast with me. And we are especially looking forward to team camp coming in April. Man, I'm grateful we didn't do it sooner. So much snow and crappy weather. Uh, we're really looking forward to April 13th, 14th, and 15th. Uh, on the Miduele website, you'll find all the details about camp and the routes, uh, timing, uh, locations, addresses, everything you need on the website. So if you need to go there, check it out. Uh, we'll also be doing a podcast here soon, me, Jake, and Chip, with details of camp, kind of how it works and what you can expect. So plan on that here in the next couple weeks. All right. Super grateful for all you uh, listeners. Thankful for uh, this great team and all the beautiful snow we have. Oh, come on. Let's go, spring. It's time to ride. So tired of Zwift. <laughs> But uh, we need the water. So grateful for uh, each of you. Thankful for this team. And uh, hopefully we'll see you all soon outside. All right. Enjoy. All right. Welcome, everybody. What is up? Stuart here with uh, Spencer Chipping, Andy Olson. Welcome, men. Good good to be here. Hey. Grateful to have you. If you uh, go over to YouTube, you should see Andy's incredible microphone setup. Andy, what is this for? Is this for your job? This This is the podcast studio in the kiln. Co-working space down in the gateway downtown Salt Lake. Oh, bro, it is so good. Look I've never dude. used it. I was like, <laughs> like, hey, I get to use this this thing. I didn't. I had to figure. I had to watch a video, YouTube video, like how do you get set up in the podcast studio? <laughs> dude, looks very good. You sound very good. Excellent. Very good. Chip, how are you? Yeah, We're, I'm doing great. Thank you. We had a kit pickup last week. Thanks for everybody who. Made the effort to be there, grab your stuff. Although we did run out of large, extra large socks. Sorry, that was my yeah. fault. They go, they go faster than I think, Chip. I don't know why I always forget that. No one really wants the small, mediums. Um, just they don't. Ugh. I'll get more. Yeah, everyone prefers it long right now. I think Lang normally wears ankle <laughs> socks on Zwift, though. So I don't know if that translates over to no socks, no socks. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I Andy, ended up with I ended up with one pair of large uh, and one pair of small medium. The early guys they were walking out with like five and six pair. I mean, yeah. they were stacked with socks. Yeah, guys, uh, Zwift mm. is unfortunately going well. Still, it is now March twenty third. Um, any feelings on that? Never summer. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it just. We in Utah had to be grateful this go around this month of March for the weather. I don't want to be grateful. I want to ride outside. Yeah, skiers are happy. Oh, man, so much snow. I know, so spring break, uh, I don't know when we're going to release this, but spring break starts tomorrow. Are you guys going? Chip, we're going to St. George next week. Andy, you going anywhere? Yeah, ours is the next week. So the week after this next week is our spring break. Cool. Probably going down to St. George. I've been ta- I've been trying to talk Casey and Allie into that. So nice, very good. Yeah, um, grateful to have Andy on. Um, Andy, I was trying to remember what year 
we met at, I mean, yeah. we met at Lodija. That was where we met. Was it 2016? I think, I think it was, it was either 16 or 15. I was trying to remember, remember that too. I think we actually met on Ultimate Challenge. Ah, okay. And then that same year, it was on Lodija. I remember coming out of Alpine. Yep. And I was with like three old dudes and I was like, man, these guys are going too slow. And mm-hmm. then you came, you came screaming by. So it was sometime when you got, you got separated yep. from the group and you came screaming by and I hopped on your, I, I yelled your name and I hopped on your wheel. <laughs> and yeah. I was going, like, so yeah. I was going solo up snake river. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and I was like, yeah, those guys were going slow, and you're like, yeah, leave those guys in the dust. Let's go. <laughs> I was going. I think it was actually. I'm pretty sure this was either my sec. I think it was my second Lodija. Was so what when, year was, was that? I, so it had is to it? have been 2016. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that sounds. I mean, that sounds about right. And then, yeah, and the other thing that happened is so, Casey, my wife, and my support crew, my kids had shoved a coke in my pocket. Yeah. <laughs> And do you remember this? I don't remember we, this. Oh, dude, we we got to we got to that place where there's kind of a rise, and then you're coming in, and you got to turn left and go down to all the trees and go through there. Okay, and we're coming up that rise, and I'm like, oh yeah, I've got a coke, and I and I needed a little pick me up, so I reach back and I pull out the coke and I pop it, and right when I pop it, you take you took off, you started <laughs> you started. I don't know if you remember this. And so I, was I like, do dude. not. I do and not. So, I was like, okay, I got to drink this. So I, I drank it and I just was, you were, you were like, you know, pulling ahead and, oh my gosh. and then eventually, eventually I caught back up to you and you're like, what a freaking jerk. He's attacking while I'm drinking <laughs> my, know, co- my I know. Coke. I know. That was like one of my first experiences with you. So bad. funny. Dude, I, I just remembered so distinctly going up Alpine, going up, going up Snake River with you and it we were cooking. Dude, I just remember it was not. We were not settling in. We were we no. were really pulling and pushing each other, and that was a lot well, of fun. Yeah, and I think we were trying to get. I can't remember. I was I was trying to get below ten, or I yeah. or I was trying to get below. Yeah, I think I was trying to get below ten. That was like one of the early years. Yeah, and I hadn't I hadn't gotten below ten, and you're like, dude, you can do it. And yeah. I think I was like super close, but I I can't remember. I I don't think I did. I think I was like Shoot. two minutes off or something like that. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Anyway, well, that was kind of the beginning. I, I mean, I was, I mean, Chip and I were in Midwelly kits back then, so um, yeah. I'm sure mm-hmm. you you kind of. I was not. Yeah. So I was yeah. like, yeah. So that's when I I met you, and then, um, so I'm trying to remember the sequence. So that was yeah. If it was 2016, I was with a startup biotech company, and we got acquired. And as part of that acquisition, I had to move out to St. Louis, Missouri. That's right. And this was in, and it was in 2016 um, when that acquisition Ooh. happened. I think it was, I think it was after, I think it was after Lodija. Hmm. Um, and so moved out to St. Louis, integrated the two companies, got their commercial engine going, and it was an 18 month commitment. That's and right. And that finished up, and I, I flew back and did Lodija. During that time, I still trained out there, which was hard because there's no climbing. I, I just started doing crits. Yeah. That was the best training hmm. out there. And then um, when I came back, that's when I reached out to you. And I was like, 
dude, I want to join the team. I got to train yeah. with you guys. So good, dude. Mm -hmm. I've been trying to find the picture here. I wanted to show of you on the podium, bro. What what year was this? When that you... was 2019. That's what I thought. Maybe I just don't have it saved in my... Yeah. What group it was, was the 45 plus. I think it was the first year mm -hmm. that I could do 45 plus. I just, I was turning, mm. I just turned 45 that year. So loaded your yeah. champ, right? Number one. No, I was, so that was, that was an interesting group. So there was, there was a guy who essentially soloed after Salt River. And he stayed Whoa. away. And we thought, yeah. we thought there's no way that guy's going to stay away. And there was, there was another guy that went with him. So there's two guys that went, went off and then there were four of us that were chasing them and we could never catch them. It was crazy. Um, and the guy after, I think it was after Afton, he attacked the other guy and got a gap on him, like a three, three minute gap or something. And mm -hmm. he stayed away the whole time. It was unbelievable. So he was, so those two guys were first and second, and then the four of us sprinted at the end for third, and I got third. There it is. That. I'm looking at it. Mm. This was the last year before we went to the outside. Yeah, the outside podium. Yeah. Okay. That was gonna, a, that was I'm a fun year. That. Yeah, very good. It was a, it was a fun year too because I got, I got the triple crank. Oh yeah. And I got mm -hmm. the thousand. You know the. Uh, the five-year wheel, yeah. yeah, dude, you love yeah. Lodija. It's yeah. yeah, I got the bug. It's like <laughs> okay, the thing, well. it's the it's the thing that keeps me going every year. It's trying to be able to compete, dude. Well, you're a beast at Lodija. You always shine there. It's always fun to watch. I I had a hard, I had a rough year last year. I had a huge. I've had mechanicals a couple of years. Shoot, they've been hard. So, hey, so your wife Casey wrote this little introduction that I'll read. This is some basic background information on Andy. Do you guys mind if I read it? You can jump in anytime when I'm uh, when I'm going through. Okay, here we go. Okay. Andy, born in Provo, Utah, but mostly grew up in Spokane, Washington, where his dad was a pediatrician. Oldest of eight kids, the eight children were born in 10 years. Three, while his dad was going through medical school, his, his mom is a saint. That's fun. When he was young, his parents got sick of their children watching too much TV. So one day the TV, in quotations, broke and instruments appeared. How cool is this? They started a family band. Andy chose guitar, playing bluegrass music, performing around outdoor gatherings, nursing homes, shopping malls. He even attended a, a performance on prom night, bringing his date along. So cultured, Andy. He sucks. loved he loved mm -hmm. playing wide receiver on the high school football team, and he loved his high school biology class where his teacher brought the subject of molecular biology to life, inspiring his career. Very good. After a year of college at BYU, he went on an LDS mission to Iowa, Des Moines. Am I saying that right? There's always like some uh, – yeah. Whenever yeah, I when meet I got... people from St. Louis, they're like, that's not, that's not how you say it. Yeah, Des Moines. <laughs> Des Moines. When I got my call, I, I – I read it and I read Des Moines. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, good luck, dude. <laughs> no. That's fun. Uh, Casey says, we met the summer after his returned, return and married a year later in Salt Lake City, Utah. He got his MBA and has worked for various startup companies in the biotech industry, Texas, California, Washington, Missouri, 
and Utah. Four years ago, he took the leap of starting his own company where he uses DNA and I don't even know. What is that word? Epigenetics. Epigenetics to solve fertility issues, specifically male infertility caused by riding bikes. Just kidding. I added that last part. (laughs) Male infertility. (laughs) He loves reading, listening to live music with his brother and concerts with his kids, water skiing, snow skiing, road cycling, watching cycling, eating good food, especially anything chocolate. When we travel, he's a major foodie, always scouting out the best places to eat. We always charm him out of a dad pod by going to get good food. That's so mean. That's fun. He's a master sourdough bread maker and has two mean, what is that word? I don't know what that means. Is that Duolingo? Oh, Duolingo streak. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. One in Italian and one for Spanish. That's fun. Dude, nice. Four children, three girls, one boy, ages 25 to 17. We've been married for 26 years. When he dies, we're going to bury him with his bike. Which one? Which bike? All of them? My new bike. <laughs> nice, dude. Yeah, my new bike. And Andy, I am always surprised. I was very surprised to learn of your age when we raced Lodija together. How old are you? I'm turning 49 in 49. like a month and mm. a half. Okay. Very Crazy. cool. Now. I can't believe it. Wow. I can't believe it either. Very yeah, young, young face. Chip, anything? Was 50, a category, a 50 category. I got to wait till I'm 55. Uh, no. Wait, how long do you have to wait? Fifty five. I, I think then. Yeah, the next one's fifty five. Yeah, every ten years. Chip, well, any questions? Yeah. Any questions yeah. from that uh, introduction there? Any anything we want to dig into? Yeah. What a great! Uh, are you still um, playing the guitar do, a little yeah. bit, Andy? I don't have the calluses that I used to, and I haven't had the time to do it. But uh, my brothers, when my brothers and I get together, we jam. It's mostly bluegrass. Yeah, bluegrass. Yeah, is, that's fun. I like bluegrass. All right, dude. Want to give us a little background about your childhood, where you grew up? Yeah, I grew up in Spokane. I don't know. Some people call it Spokompton. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, a. <laughs> it was a great place to grow up. And uh, have you yeah, been there? It's nice. Oh, cool. Many times. Close to Coeur d'Alene. If anybody's been yes. out to Coeur d'Alene, there's some good events out there. Good triathlon, Coeur d'Alene, and I had. You know, I, I ha- I've always had a bike, and I mostly used it to get around, to get places, to do my paper route. And and then I got a mountain bike, and I would do mountain bike stuff. But um, in Spokane, I didn't, I didn't do a lot of cycling in Spokane other than, like, my paper route. And so mm-hmm. uh, I didn't get to experience some of the great outdoors there on a bike. And I wish I, I kind of, you know, wish I would have. I, I regret that growing up but um it's uh it's a it's a big enough town that it's got everything that you would want there and it's the pacific northwest so it's absolutely amazing climate yeah um casey is from houston texas and when 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 we met uh i came i'd never been down to texas and i came down there while we were dating actually and there, I, there's this, I have this vivid memory of going with all of her friends to play volleyball in an outdoor sand volleyball court. And they had these, and it was in the evening and there was light, it was getting dark and there was these lights that came on and there were all these bugs. It was some kind of hatch all flying because of these lights and just falling from the sky. 
and I it was the most bizarre experience. I was looking around and nobody was did like it didn't even phase them. They're just playing. I, finally, I said I said to Casey, "What is happening right now?" She's like, "They're just bugs. Don't worry." About it. I was like, You're "Like this is not bugs. This this is not normal. It was crazy." And so I ended up. Yeah, I we ended up living there for seven years after we were married and I graduated and that was where I started my career was out of Houston, Texas. And hmm. that's where I did the MBA. And it just is another world. I mean, the climate compared to the Pacific Northwest, Spokane, Washington, just an amazing place to grow up from a climate standpoint, outdoor activity, yeah. backpacking, yeah. fly fishing. That, those were the kinds of things that we did up there. So nice. And then does that translate now? I mean, that's pretty legit that your parents were so willing to just kind of, I mean, do you, did you do the same thing with, the, are, are all your kids musical? Is that how you run your family? Or do you look back and be like, this was the worst? Why, why would they have done this to us? Yeah, it was, there were times when, you know, in high school, particularly, I had those exact thoughts. I was like, why are we doing this? Like what? <laughs> and, and and I just, you know, I was like backup guitar. My dad and I played the guitar. The rest of my siblings played the fiddle or, you know, other other kind of rhythm instruments and stuff. And so we had little kids too. And um, it was, you know, in hindsight, it was a really good experience. It brought our family very close together because we yeah. had to practice and we had to, and it kept us out of trouble. We were you know, do and a couple of my brothers have now they have careers in music. Like hmm. my brother that's just younger than me, <laughs> he's uh, he went and got a doctorate and is a professor at a university called East Tennessee State University in Johnson City, Tennessee. Wow! And he has these students mm -hmm. that come out of the Appalachian Mountains that have never had like formal schooling, but they are yeah. amazing musicians. Huh. And he has to teach him how to do wow. school. And then I have a brother. Then the brother just younger than than him is a drummer, like really accomplished jazz drummer, and played the fiddle as well. Mm. He's played in a bunch of bands, and and so music was a big part of our life. And it's it's also been with our children. So our kids, we we've all had them in we've had them in piano lessons and violin lessons and guitar, and they play guitar, ukulele. Um, we get to get one of our favorite things to do as a family and an extended family too, is just to pull out our instruments and jam and, Fun. and spend time together. We had, uh, yeah, I mean, we've had that kind of as part of our life. So it's been fun. Cool. All right. Um, we mentioned a little bit about your work, but Jake yeah. always loves to tease you about your work. I, know. I, I thought Jake Cook was going to be out here. <laughs> I was preparing my spelt, myself for the... So for the jokes. Let's hear about it. What do you do yeah. for work now? Like kind of yeah. your typical day in the life, Andy. Yeah. So, so I'll talk about epigenetics first. Cause, okay. um, you know, genetics is, has, there's been a lot of 23 and me and all kinds of, mm. you can get your genetics analyzed and you can understand what's going on there. And so, um, in, when you look at, at, disease and, and different kinds like cancer, particularly, there's often a genetic change and genetics is, is the sequence of the DNA. So in all of our cells, we have the same sequence of DNA and, and there's four bases, it's A, T, G, and C. And these bases, the order of those bases is 
is our unique DNA. And people have, and there was the Human Genome Project where they sequenced the entire genome, just three billion bases, three billion bases from your dad, three billion bases from your mom, so six billion bases of DNA, all those little A, G, Ts, and Cs, and. And, and, and you, what, you, what people would look for, what the researchers would look for, the Human Genome Project, they look for changes or differences, differences in that sequence of DNA. And the, and the thought was, oh, this is going to be revolutionary for medicine, and we're going to have personalized and precision medicine based on differences in our DNA. And the reality is that the differences in our DNA explain a tiny percentage of disease. Like if, when we have disease, like when you have cancer, that's, that's different because you've got changes in the DNA and that's causing cells to, to be cancerous. But, but if you look at complex disease like diabetes, if you look at um, um, like other metabolic diseases, if you look at neuropsychiatric diseases, if you look at fertility as an example, people have looked at DNA sequence variation, they find there's, it's a tiny percentage that explains like why this is happening. And so, so epigenetics is the new emerging field that uh, is really interesting and exciting. And, and there's a, a lot higher prevalence. And epi is a prefix that means above or on top of, and then genetics is the DNA sequence. So, so what we're looking at is what's on top of the DNA that's changing the gene expression. And that's influenced by environment. So toxin exposures, your diet, exercise, stress, all of those things change the epigenetics. Uh, one way to think about this is if all of our cells have the same DNA, that's like the hardware. And then on top of the hardware is different software. And that software is the epigenetics. And that makes a cell a skin cell or an eye cell or a brain cell or a sperm cell or like it's the epigenetics that's turning on and off gene expression on the dna hardware so it's kind of like that software and that software can have bugs in it and so that's what we look at and got mm -hmm. into this specific started this company because um that company uh that i was with that we exited to a company in St. Louis and moved out there and finished that up. I came back to Utah and I was looking at what's the next clinical problem that needs to be solved. And I had some friends going through fertility treatment. They'd been trying to get pregnant for over two years at the time, spent about $80,000, mostly out of pocket. And their yeah. physician said they had unexplained infertility. So in spite of all huh. the testing and treatment they'd gone through, didn't know why they couldn't get pregnant. And, and started looking into it, and I saw that there's a lot of focus on the female partner. She gets oh, extensive yeah. and invasive testing and treatment. Yeah. And uh, on the male side of the equation, which is about 50% <laughs> of, you know, the equation here, um, it's still like sixth grade science. And they literally take oh. a microscope, count how many sperm are there and how many are swimming. I was like, mm -hmm. you got to be kidding. Like, there's mm -hmm. got to be better, you know, emerging technology that can be applied to this. And so found that University of Utah, some technology, Washington State University, some technology, got that all into a portfolio of intellectual property and got the company started and then found a co-founder who's a PhD in epigenetics and she joined and we've been off and running and it's been really fun. We've, we've uh, been able to help a lot of patients and 
physicians and you know understand what's going on and and help them to eventually get to the procedure that will give them the highest likelihood of success to have a baby and and uh, realize that dream that they have in their life. Dang, dude, that's awesome! Very cool. That's Chip, great. any follow up there on uh, sperm cells? <laughs> well, super interesting, Andy, what you do. And um, man, that was a, a good lesson to you. Um, we're able to break it down for us to understand some real interesting work, scientific work that you do. I think maybe yeah, you've, very you've cool. pitched that before, have you, you Andy? <laughs> Quite a few times. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Very cool. Uh, and congrats on the startup as well. How, how long has that been underway? Thanks. Yeah, we founded the company in April some, of 2019. Same year that yeah, on the podium nice loaded you. And, and haven't been on the podium since then. You can tell it's because <laughs> of the startup. Like it just, it is so, and you know, Chip, from your entrepreneurial and, and you too, Stu, with Crown Council, all like, it's just all consuming. I mean, everything... I've, I've had to, you know, scale back a little bit, some of the training and, and some of the writing, just because it's, it's, there's always something that has to be done with the company. Yeah. Nice. Hey, maybe, um, we, we talked a little bit about where we met, but, um, maybe share how you got into writing, what you love about it. Yeah. And then, and then let's just group those three together. Like, how you got into it, what you love, and then where, why, why me dwell? Why is this a thing that you loved? Yeah, I, I think the thing that uh, cycling for me has been over the years an outlet. Um, and for quite a while, I, I just had a mountain bike and I would go, like when we were in Utah, I'd go to Corner Canyon and ride the trails there in Corner Canyon. We lived at Sandy in Sandy at the time. And it was a way to get exercise and enjoy the outdoors. And then one, and, and I've, I've always, like I mentioned, I've always had a bike, um, but I just didn't do as, as much recreational riding or, or any road cycling really at, at all. Um, and, and then it was bike to work day. I was working for another startup. And this was like, <laughs> I don't remember what year it was, but it was bike to work day and all the guys. And I, at the time I was living in Sandy up on Sago Lily and about 19th East. So pretty easy to get to like mouth of little cottonwood canyon from there and it's a good it was a great spot and all the guys at work are like hey we're gonna ride our bikes to work and i was working for a company that was out by the airport so it's like 20 miles and i was like okay yeah i'm gonna ride my bike and i just had a mountain bike at the time and an old hardtail a pantera it was a gt pantera al that i'd gotten on my mission and I brought it home from my no I had this way. Mission. Yeah, I had this mission <laughs> companion. It was it was like at the time it was this sweet ride. And I I borrowed money from my uncle to buy it while I was on my mission. And uh, so I rode this to work on the bike to work day and it about killed me. I went down the trail. There's the canal trail or. Yeah. And and then. Yeah. I just, anyway. And I was like, I am not riding this back home. And so. I rode over to the tracks and hopped on the tracks with my bike and then and then rode from the tracks up to my house in Sandy. And I went back to work the next day and everybody was like, oh, dude, you got to get a road bike. It's so much better than than a mountain bike for commuting or just riding to work. And so so um, K 
Casey's cousin, Whitney, her husband at the time had a road bike and he was upgrading. And so he's like, here, I'll sell this to you for 300 bucks. And it was a moto became, I, I think that's how you say it with a carbon fork. And he's like, dude, it's mm -hmm. a carbon fork. And uh, <laughs> so I bought that from when I started commuting to and from work. And there were some guys in our neighborhood. These are the guys that got me into this. And I'll forever be grateful to them. Tim Conklin, who I know everybody's probably seen him riding. Hmm. Um, he's, but he does a lot of solo stuff. And then there's a few other guys in the neighborhood that he would write. And he did, he like, he raced in college and, and he is just a diesel engine. He's like unbelievable, uh, guy to ride with. And he taught me, he got me into it and taught me and, and then Todd Kelson and, uh, Blake Webb, whose son is Mitch Webb, who recently joined the, the team, That's right. I think like last year, maybe. And, and so those guys saw that I was riding. He, they're in the neighborhood. They saw that I was riding. They're like, hey, you should come ride with us on Saturdays. So I came out and, and would ride with them. They're like, hey, we're, we're doing this ride out in California. It's Levi's Grand Fondo. Mm. I don't know if you've heard of that or written that. Yeah. And, and they're like, and they're like uh, it's 100 miles, and they're telling me about it and a bunch of climbing. I'm like, man, I don't know if I can do that. You know, and they're like, you can, you can do it. You can. So they got me signed up for that. And, and that was the first, that was the first century that I did. And nice. this, this ride goes out of Santa Rosa, climbs up what's called the King Ridge. And then you ride along the King Ridge to the north and then drop down to the coast and come back down along the coast. And then you have to climb back over the King Ridge. And there's some gnarly descents on it. At the, at the time, I had carbon wheels. I had a new bike and had carbon wheels on it. And I melted my back, uh, no. back wheel. <laughs> yeah, coming down some of the descent. It was, yep. it was really gnarly. Um, but that was my first century. And it was so hard. When I came across the finish line, I just started bawling. I just, it was this emotional, like <laughs> almost like a spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and then of course those guys are like, Hey, you got to do Lodigen now. And so the next year it's like start training for, and, and getting signed up for Lodigen. And, and they, they're the ones that got me into cycling and I rode with them for quite a while. And, you know, when I first started riding with them, it was mostly for, for fitness and just to, it was, it was, but it was really mm -hmm. fun to, to draft. I'd never drafted before and. They, they helped me. They taught me how to do that. And then we would climb up Little Cottonwood Canyon. And you, I don't know if you looked at my Strava, like early years, I would go up to Snowbird, call it the early bird. We'd do that in the morning <laughs> two or three times a week. And when I first started riding with those guys, there was, I could not keep up with them. I got dropped every time. And I remember the morning that I stayed with them. I stayed with Tim and with Todd. Mm -hmm. and my light, I had, we had lights on, it was dark, you know, and writing and, and I stayed with them and I was, I was so excited that I stayed with them and they didn't, they're like, who's with that? Like, who's, cause there was a few guys that would ride in the morning and they were so surprised. And then pretty soon I was dropping them. And that's when it was like, you, you, you get to a point where you're like, you know, I need to be riding with people who are stronger than me because mm -hmm. otherwise mm -hmm. 
you know, you're not really progressing or having that growth, you know, you're not getting better. And so my philosophy has always been to, to try to get with, with guys that are stronger, younger, faster. <laughs> nice. And, dude. and me Duelle is the, it's, it's, it's the best. I, I think it's the best team in the area. And I'll give, I'll give you an example, just the quality of people on the team. I went into hangar 15 you know, we recently moved out to Orem, and uh, and so mostly have gone to the Hangar 15 at, at, in Mill Creek, but I needed to get a part, and I was in Orem, so went to the Orem store, and I was picking it up, and, and they are like, well, we don't have it, but South Jordan's got it. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to be coming back from work, you know, the next day, and so I'll get it at South Jordan. And I go into the South Jordan store, and I'm like, hey, you know, I think you have, I, you guys sponsor our team. He's like, oh, yeah, I've got you in the system. He said, you, me, Duelle guys are so cool. Like you're the best team that we sponsor. And I was like, really? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, we sponsor these other teams. I'm like, man. And, and he said, some of those guys are just jerks. <laughs> like, like, so, you know, I thought that was cool that, uh, um, no offense to any of those guys out there that I don't know who else they sponsor, but, but he just was like, yeah, the, the me, Duelle guys are, are, they're always really cool guys that come into the shop. So fun. Yeah, it's good, good to hear. Chip, you want to lead him through uh, rapid fire questions? I do. Um, well, so the endurance sports, Andy you you get you get the you get the mountain bike. You you wait. So then you then those guys get you to yeah. Lodija and you accomplish and, and you start to do Lota Jeanne and um, um, let's let's move into to to what is drawing you to to cycling and and uh, being with the team and and um, let's stay on the connection piece yeah. of Midwelly a little bit yeah so the next you know the next level of achievement for me was just can you can you do 200 miles you know <laughs> a, a nine or 10 hour day on a bike and that was such a daunting idea even it was just like can we can i even do that and and so started training and tim tim had tim's done it i think he had gotten his 20 uh or the 15 i think he was getting his 15 year tim conklin he was getting like his 15 year thing and so um, he's like, here's the training plan. And he just, he just laid it out for him. He's like, here's what you need to do. And you need to be able to do like 130 miles by this, like six weeks out and, and make sure you got your nutrition figured out. And so he really helped me train for that first one. And when I did that first one, I was so dead at the end. I thought, you know, I was like, that, that's going to be one and done. That was, <laughs> that was, you know, and then. And, and, and I had the same kind of experience as I had with Levi Leipheimer's, you know, Grand Fondo, the, the King Ridge Grand Fondo. It's just this emotional, it's just such a cool experience when you come across that finish line and you've done 10 hour, 10 plus hours, you know, on a bike and ridden from Logan to Jackson. And, and my wife was like blown away. My kids were just like, this is amazing that you did this. And about a week later, 
I started thinking like, man, if I, if I just did this, I could shave off like, I know like 10 minutes at least mm -hmm. if I, you know, and you start going through and you start thinking about all that stuff. And that, that for me is just bit, it's like, I, I think of it like you're getting, you get bit by the bug <laughs> of, of Lodija and start thinking about, and, and then it rolls around and the sign up happens, you know, the beginning of April and you're like, I'm going to sign up again. And so you sign <laughs> up and then they start thinking of, and, and the thing that it's been good for me is it having that hanging over me is, is, um, motivation to keep training and the camaraderie, the, the people on the team, both guys and gals, it's so much fun to train together and challenge each other and race each other, do, you know, and do crazy stuff together. It's so much more fun than, you know, doing it by yourself or even, you know, it's just, it's just a, uh, amazing you know, community that we have. And I, I find that the, the fitness, like, you know, turning 49, I still feel like a young guy. Like, I feel like I, I can still keep up with my kids. I can, you know, do other physical things. And, and I, I attribute that to, I mean, I really didn't get into this and spend a lot of time with endurance sports until 2013 ish. Hmm. So, um, you know, 10 years and I feel like it's taken years off my life because nice. of the fitness mm -hmm. and in my, in, in the science that we work with in our company, we know that these kinds of lifestyle factors improve our molecular biology. Like they improve our health at the molecular level. Cool. And we know that, and it's, it's scientifically sound and it's published in, in research papers. And my co-founder, who's our chief scientific officer, she's like, yeah, you know, I, I have, we, we did this analysis of sperm where we can tell what the biological age is of a person based on their sperm epigenetics Dang, and compare cool. that to their chronological age. Yeah. And, and so when we're developing this test, we're like, well, we need some samples. I'm like, I want to see what my biological age is. <laughs> nice. And it was, and it's younger. Like I'm, I'm like significantly younger biologically than my That's chronological awesome. age. And I, I attribute a lot of that to cycling. To Zwift. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, and, and now Zwift <laughs> all year round. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. Hey, well maybe uh, take us through, this is a good transition into t take us through how you do it. Um, I know a lot of guys, yeah that we associate with, um, it's a big balancing act. Um, so maybe go through some of the things that you lean on when it comes to training your life, your lifestyle. Um, what kind of guides that area? Yeah, it's, I train in the morning when everybody's sleeping. So my kids and my wife are <laughs> pretty night owl, you know, pretty much night owls and I'm an early riser. I always have been. My dad's an early riser and I, I wake up automatically, um, you know, by like five o'clock I'm usually, and it's mostly before my alarm clock. And so, mm -hmm. and everybody's sleeping and, and I just have found, and I went through stages, you know, where I was like doing P90X in the morning and then insanity with Sean T. If I just gotta, there's gotta <laughs> be people out there that know all these mm -hmm. workout things. And it was funny because I would do those and my wife would, and I do it for like two years or, you know, and it, it, 
I was always on this like two year cycle. And when cycling came around and I started doing cycling, she's, she was waiting. She's like, okay, it's been two years or so. Like, what's the next thing you're going to start doing? And I just, I've stuck with it. It's just, it's so comprehensive in it. It checks mm -hmm. so many boxes, um, w which we've talked about some of those, but it just checks so many boxes. And so I just have found like, this is, this is the thing that I do to stay physically fit, to also take care of my mental health, like stress relief. It's, um, it's, it's so many things that it, it really provides. So, and then on Saturdays, you just negotiate and say, okay, I'm going to do a five hour ride or a six hour ride up Alpine loop and, you know, all the way over in midway pine Canyon or whatever. And so, um, but when I get back, I'm, I try to be, you know, if I'm not completely dead, I try, <laughs> to, be, I try to be there with the family and, and do stuff with, uh, with Casey and, and our kids. And now we just have one at home. It's crazy. It's, it's a, you know, we've got a year and a half and then we're empty nesters and it's a whole new phase of life. But, um, yeah, yeah, that's how, and, and, and then I think too, I found for me as getting a little bit older, um, massage therapy is magic. You got to find a good massage therapist and I can, if, if I get regular massage, I can recover faster, <laughs> avoid injury. Um, yeah, I, I, we work with a academic collaborator at the university of Utah. He's a marathon runner. He runs like hundred marathons a year or something. It's crazy. Whoa. Yeah. And I was talking to him about it. He's older than me. I was talking to him about it. And he said, massage therapy. And he told me like, here's the best guy. You got to go to this guy and, and he will, um, take care of you. And if you have any physical issues, you know, it'll, it'll, it weaknesses, you can avoid injury, you can recover fast. And I found that to be uh, the case for me too. Huh? Nice. You had a few other things, uh, listed here and anything else, Andy, when, when it comes down to how you are staying fit, because I can tell you right now, dude, you are freaking strong. You are like, I'm serious. Like I, I you are uh, <laughs> elite writer. Is there anything else you're doing? Like, uh, weights or nutrition anything uh, like that that you focus on yeah yeah so um i think consistency is the key i i'm trying to remember when i got on zwift i think it was a year after all you guys were on zwift hmm. and i was doing oh i i know why yeah so i was doing uh, in the winter times i was doing um sufferfest i had sufferfest down, like I had all these Sufferfest videos and I didn't have a smart trainer. And so, and, you know, doing startup companies, it's like, you just don't have big salaries until the exit and then you get an exit and then you got some money and you can drop it on good equipment and, and stuff. And so, um, I was doing Sufferfest on a tax trainer <laughs> and, and then I, I was hearing so much about Zwift. I'm like, okay, I've got to get a smart trainer and I've got to get on Zwift. And that consistency has been game changing hmm. for maintaining the strength and the fitness. And then the other, so just like on off days when you're not 
on the bike doing hit stuff, uh, plyometrics, jump training, you know, that kind of the, that's been, that's been really helpful. Um, and riding with all you young guys that are super strong. Uh, I, I don't mess around with like Zwift weight or any of that. So I, I don't know if the, I should, I should probably do that so I can stay with you guys better, but I don't, I was like, how do you do, I don't know how you dope on there. I just have my weight on there. I just keep it the same. So, but, but it's, it's humbling to, you know, there are so many strong riders on the team that uh, just trying to stay with, I mean, and, and older guys too, Dave Sharp. I mean, Dave Sharp is so inspirational to me. It's like, if I can be that strong and fit by the, when I'm as old as Dave, and he's not that much older than me, but you know, he's a few years, then that, uh, you know, I'll, I'll feel like, man, I've, I've really taken care of myself. Nice. Yeah. Chip, any follow-up I, for, I yeah, for Andy's, Andy's racing or anything? Yeah. I, I want to get into, I want to get into Andy's yeah. philosophy. Let's do it. His life philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I've, um, you know, the, the part I, and I kind of wrote some of this down because I thought it was a great question and, and it forced me to try to be succinct in putting that down. Um, but one of the things, and my parents taught us this is just lifelong learning that you're always improving, always learning. There's always uh, new things to learn and things to, to improve at and get better at. And, and then my mother uh, was very influential in my life in she, you know, it, this, this idea of can't or, you know, oh, that's, that's too hard or I'm not going to be able to do that. And she just encourage it, like do the thing that you think you cannot do. And, um, and I remember as a kid, so we're, we're all these little kids, I mean, eight kids in 10 years. Hmm. And she actually had a miscarriage in, in, in that, uh, you know, I think it was like around six and seven, or it was like between five and six or something. She had a, a miscarriage there. And I remember her with a, exercise bike in our house and her she'd get these stack of books from the library and she would write on her exercise book and read or write on her exercise bike and read a book hmm. and i remember that as a, as a kid and and so this idea of staying fit so that you can just be there for your kids and be be able to physically do it you know and and then she got um she ended up about when she was about 35 years old getting diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and it was she mm -hmm. she ended up going through all of the treatments and not responding to the treatments she's one of those cases where it was severe rheumatoid arthritis and and she was not really getting treatment that would work and <laughs> eventually was getting infusions this drug called rituxan uh, every six months and and it would make her mind kind of fuzzy and so she didn't like so she wouldn't and and she was it's just I, I what I learned is that she was just in constant pain and um, I remember in the like final year of her life um, which 
you know, she passed in not this January, but the January before. And uh, I, I was living downtown and she was living there with my dad. My dad had retired to take care of her. And I remember being in their condo and I could hear her in the back room and she's saying to herself, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. <laughs> and, Ooh. and it's, you know, and, and her physical body had just broken down so much that, uh, there's things that she couldn't do physically. Um, but there was, she instilled in us just this philosophy of you can do it and do the thing that you think you cannot do. And, um, and that's, you know, there's, uh, Eleanor Roosevelt that has yeah. that great quote around that. And, um, and I, mm -hmm. you know, like when I started climbing up Little Cottonwood Canyon. It's like, I don't think I can make it up this thing. And you get to, I, we still think it, Andy. Everybody oh thinks. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you get to Tanner's Flat and you get a little bit of a break there. And It's like if you can get up past Tanner's Flat, you know, it, it eases up a little bit and you can you can get up there. But it is so steep. Yeah. You know, when you first start riding, you're like, this is nuts. Like people are doing this all the time, you know. So, And then like Pine Canyon. Go ride Pine Canyon. For the same kind of – it's like – and so – um, and then, and then doing a century, you know, doing a century, doing Lodija. It's like, I don't think I can do that physically. And, and, um, if you train, if, if you take care of yourself, do the nutrition, figure out, you know, how to prepare for it, you can do it. And I'm, I'm a testament to that, just like everybody else on the team that, uh, uh, and so that's, you know, part of the, the life philosophy there. And, and I love this, uh, I love this, this quote from, uh, from Teddy Roosevelt, Theodore Roosevelt, where he talks about the critics. And there's a lot of, when you start, particularly when you start writing and you haven't written a lot and you start writing and you're writing with a group and there's people that are experienced in that group and you feel pretty self-conscious. I, I felt pretty self-conscious about it uh, just because you don't, you don't know the ins and outs as well. And, and, um, and Theodore Roosevelt talks about the critics and, and people too that look at us and they're like, look at these people that are riding their bikes. You know? <laughs> I love, I love that quote, Andy, especially the part where he says, where, where he talks about, they can be your critic. Um, but in the end, you're the one that's doing the work. They're not, they're not the one, you know, it's, yeah. it's not the critic who counts. counts. It, yeah. yeah. It's, it's the doer of the deed. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's so it's good. Not the critic who counts. It's not the man that points out how the strong man stumbles. Yeah. or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man in the arena who's actually in the arena, whose you know, face is marred with dust and sweat and blood, you know, yeah. who strives valiantly, who errs, who um, you know, time and again falls short because there's no effort without error and shortcoming. And he, he goes on and he's like, he's like the, the man in the arena, he's like, even if you fail, at least you failed while daring greatly. Yeah, that's awesome. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and then also, you know, it's so, yeah, it's just like, it's not the critic who counts. And I, I think about that all the time. People, you know, when you're doing a startup as well, there's a lot of people that are like, hmm. You know, it, you hear a lot of no's, you, I, you pitch investors and, and, uh, and 
customers and you hear a lot of no's and, 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 and then there's always critics. There's always people that are like, Oh, you should be doing this or you should be doing that. And, and um, yeah, so I love that, uh, that philosophy of it's not the critic who counts. It's, 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 and, and I, I also think, you know, like performance and in, in performance and pretty much anything, it's a hundred percent showing up, just showing up and putting forth the effort and then there's a huge mental aspect. And I've, I've found that too, particularly with loaded jets, just like telling yourself, how's your self-talk and what are you saying to yourself as you're writing? That's one of the big things when I'm on the bike is there's a lot of self-talk going on. And, and how is that? Is, is it like, I can do this? Like, you know, like my mom would say to herself when she's trying to just do something physically that was just a basic thing that she needed to do. And um, if your self-talk is, is good and positive, that has a huge impact on your physical performance and your capabilities. I mean, you got to have the training in there too, but, but that self-talk and that, uh, you know, mental, I think, I think, I feel like it's 90% mental as long as you've got that 10% training that you've done. Yeah. I love that. Andy, these last, uh, I mean, I always kind of ask for advice and some people don't ever, some people don't put these in, but I love these. Uh, you've gone through a couple of them. But is there anything else you wanted to cover if you were going to share advice with young riders or stuff you've learned over the years? Yeah. So the first one is get a good bike fit from a good bike fitter. I learned that early on. I tried to just do it myself and, and I just, I started having trouble with my knee. Um, and so, you know, it, sometimes it, if you're just starting out, especially if you're on a tight budget, you're like, oh, I don't want to drop several hundred dollars on right. spending an hour with a guy to right. tell me, you know, and, and usually you have to buy some more stuff too, to get your bike fit. Right. But it's, it is so worth it and you need that solid foundation. And then the other is make sure that you eat and drink. And this was something that was taught to me early on too, is that even when you don't feel like it it's early in the ride, if it's a long ride and an endurance ride, you need to force yourself to eat and drink on a regular cadence and you can figure out what works for you. But even when you don't feel like it and just get in the habit of doing that. Um, and then the other is, you know, <laughs> when, I, when I was, when I was starting out, you just, you're like, Oh, I don't need to, I don't need to like work or <laughs> like work with other people. I can just do this on my own or I can mm -hmm. just, and, and I just said, you know, don't be dumb work. <laughs> together, <laughs> make friends with people. And then, you know, you can always at the end, you can go for, you can race at the end, but it is so much more enjoyable and fun. And also everybody wins together when you work together. And that I think, you know, take your pulls as long as you can. Um, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And then when the timing's right, you know, make a break for it and sprint to the finish and, mm -hmm. and always hold your line when you do that, because, you know, it's just not cool when you're at the end, end of a, you know, certainly like I know several guys who have been at the end of loadage yeah. and crash right at the end in a sprint yep. that people don't hold their line. And, and so, yeah, that's, that'd be some of my kind of basic advice. Don't be dumb. That's the second tier title of this podcast today. That's very good. Yeah. Andy, I think that, uh, you know, cycling for me in general has brought so many good things. Um, but one of them obviously is just like your friendship. You're just such a, uh, like the way cycling brought us together is really fun. Uh, I always say this to like Todd and Chris, Charles, Jake, the, like these, the people that I've met 
I'm like, I would not know you. It is so cool to like get friends, um, as an adult, like, (laughs) I know that sounds so silly, but, um, I just love so true. It's just awesome to know you. And I mean, when you moved kind of farther away from us this summer, um, it it took a bit, we were like, where, like, where is, where is he? We were even watching Strava and I was like, where is he writing from? Like, what is he doing? (laughs) Um, but dude, you're the man and, uh, such great advice down there too. I'll still be down there. And, um, I mean, my dad still lives downtown and he's got a condo down there. I, I'm, I've already planned, I'm like figuring out like my schedule so that I can do <laughs> Emmy more on Monday mornings and nice. with everybody. But I, I'm the same way. Like I wouldn't know Jake Cook and Jason Cook and have that relationship with them. There's so many guys on the team that I, that just knowing, like my son, he tore his patellar tendon playing basketball. And it's like called Dan Mills. It's like, yeah. you know, uh, started raising money for, for my company called, you know, Jack uh, Boren. And and he gave me coaching on my pitch, you know. And then Shane Kennedy is an attorney, biotech attorney, sister team of TBD, and takes companies like ours public, you know, and does. And so it's just like so many connections that come from, the the guys and and gals on this team is just um yeah it's it's really cool very cool and if you if you want to know anything about andy you know this he is the only one in 79 episodes who had the wherewithal to find a professional podcasting recording booth so he sounded good for you so (laughs) that is very telling of who you are andy (laughs) so thank you very I was, much, very I was excited. I wanted to feel like the guys on the move. And then also Dude. I was excited <laughs> to use this facility that that uh, I've known about, but I like, I've never had an opportunity to use it. So it's been fun. Yeah. Steve. Well, you looked very pro. Very good. Good job. All right, man. Anything else as we wrap up? See you on Zwift. See you on the portal. And hopefully we'll oh, be riding outside. Yeah. I can't wait for camp. I think camp's going to be awesome this year. Uh, the routes that Jake's got lined up for us and, and then everybody, you know, Todd and all the help out there and um, uh, looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. TBD is going to be there. Can't wait, man. Excited to see those yep. guys too. Yeah, there's like 14 of them signed up this year, so it'll be fun. That's awesome. All right, bro. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate you. Yeah, thank you, Steve. All right, man. See you. See you.